Well, the Iowa men and the Iowa women advance to the weekend, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, and both will have a chance at the Sweet 16 next week. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to say that? Good news is Iowa women celebrating good times themselves. There are good things happening in Hawkeye Nation, folks. The Iowa women defeating Illinois State by a final of 98 to 58. That's how you that's how you beat what we would call an overmatched team, folks. Uh, that is a team that was uh, uh, shouldn't probably have been on the same floor as Iowa, despite being you could call Illinois State as somewhat of a power at the Missouri Valley level. Iowa did exactly what it's supposed to do against an inferior opponent. And yes, I get that women's basketball isn't as balanced typically as men's hoops is. But that's exactly what you're supposed to do against a team who is inferior to you. I'm happy for the women. And it makes me reflect back to the men and think, boy, just the opportunity missed. But we're here to talk positive things. Um, again, Iowa over Illinois State, 98 to 58. We're taking your calls here, taking your chats on this Friday afternoon. If you have not already done so, please share this show on social media. Um Help the show to grow, as always. And uh, our call line is open, 515-635-1601. 515-635-1601. And yes, I know I got a, some some feedback from last night. Yes, I know uh, we had a caller, uh, one of our regular callers, uh, call in, and he was on the phone for a long time. I'm not going to let that happen today. It was a late night last night. We were mourning the Iowa basketball, Iowa men's basketball loss. I promise that won't happen today, okay? So feel free to call us, 515-635-1601. The Iowa women, of course, will face Creighton on Sunday at a time to be announced, um, to be determined, whatever you want to call it there. I believe those times should be set by the morning, perhaps even late tonight. Not sure how the uh, the, the women's uh, TV schedules are, are released uh, during tournament play. I know the men... Um, we knew those. Uh, for, we knew the Saturday schedule earlier this morning. Perhaps they were even released last night. But uh, the bottom line is, again, Iowa did what it needed to do. James says uh, good win looks sloppy early, um, but got the job done. And that's all you can ask for. I mean, that's all you can ask for against a team that in Illinois State that was familiar. I mean, you, you saw the the common players. You know, the, the uh, all Iowa attack and Caitlin Clark and. Uh, um, of course, uh, Ashley Jones from Iowa State and a couple of girls from Illinois State. So there was some familiarity between these two programs. Uh, they're pretty close in proximity to one another. But uh, Illinois State was never really in this game. I mean, the first five minutes of the game, Illinois State got off to, I think, like a 7-2 to two start. But you just knew Iowa was going to figure things out. Um, just way too much offense from Caitlin Clark, Gabby Marshall, and Monica Sinano. And boy, if Monica Sonato is this efficient once we get to the Sweet 16, I think this team can beat just about anybody. Now, again, Illinois State is not long. They're not athletic in comparison to uh, many of what Iowa, many of the opponents that Iowa has down the road. Even in Iowa State, a lot more athletic than, than Illinois State. And that's state in the obvious. I understand that. But Caitlin Clark with 27 points, 10 assists, six rebounds, four turnovers. Um, that's an efficient day. I mean, if you're going to get 27, 10, and six with just four turns, that that is absolutely player of the year stuff right there, and I've said that before. 
But that is uh, that's one of the better stat lines for Caitlin this year because of the low turnover count. And uh, that's been the one bugaboo. And that makes sense. If you watch some of the best point guards to ever play in the men's or women's game, if they're high volume guards, they're going to turn the ball over. I mean, Russell Westbrook's a perfect example of that. I'm not a big Russell Westbrook fan, but he's always had pretty high turnover counts. James Harden's even had fairly high turnover counts at times. You're you're not going to get those high turnover counts if you're not making big plays. Typically, and if you if you're going to do that, you're probably not going to be seeing the floor much. Caitlin Clark, just a high volume player, but right now four turnovers on the day. That's a tremendous stat line for Caitlin. Gabby Marshall chipped in 13 points, five assists, three steals. The Iowa women are stat stuffers. They uh, whether it be Sonano, obviously Sonano and and Clark, uh, those are your two girls that are going to be. Um, your keys, the, the health of those two players, obviously Clark is uh, of primary importance there as, as it relates to health, but those are your two big guns. They both need to stay healthy for Iowa to advance past the Sweet 16. I, I think this team will beat Creighton on Sunday, um, although Creighton with a good win today against Colorado, but they need Clark and they need Sonano to stay healthy in order for Iowa to be able to advance much past that. And I mentioned Sonano, 18.7 rebounds. Um, just a really good day. And as it relates to the team, turnover numbers, when Caitlin Clark's turnover numbers are low, the team's turnover numbers are low. And they still had 11 turnovers, but that's a winning number. They did win that category, 13 to 11. 60% from the field for the Hawks, just 30% for the Redbirds, 46% from three, as opposed to 17% from Illinois State and 20 of 21 from the free throw line for 95% out rebounded the Redbird just by one, but they won by 40 despite that close category. So um, domination is what you want at this point in the tournament, especially in, in the women's game. And that's exactly what we got out of the Iowa women today. Let's take our first caller. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the storm. Who's on the line. Hey, Corey, it's the real MVP. Hey buddy. How are you? I'm doing better than yesterday. Good. Me too. Somewhat. Yeah, I know. It still hurts a bit, but it, I'm going to get over it. As we all will. But um, Illinois State's just a team that's happy to be there. I mean, uh, Juju's really carried them all year to this point, but they didn't have any of the talent just to compete with Iowa. And it was clear based on the result today that that was the case. Yeah, and Juju ended up with uh, 25. I mean, she, you know, we we know what she was going to bring. I thought she had a good day, 25 and and um, 25, three and three, but 10 of 21 from the field. Um, that's a pretty efficient day, and it's hard. I mean, a, a opponent like that, I get it's it's regionally, it's not a, a difficult travel, and it's not real difficult for Colorado or, or Creighton either. But that's a full packed house, and I don't know what percentage of these NCAA tournament early round games and these arenas are going to be sold out, but for Iowa to be packed to the rafters on a Friday at two, I mean, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Not you're a Kentucky fan. Yeah, it's, it's always impressive. I mean, to have turnout like that, most teams don't get turnout like that. Like I was watching the Virginia Tech Florida Gulf Coast tank today, and there, I would say there was more Iowa fans. Yeah. At their game. And I mean, at, at the Flor- wait, at Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah. Florida Why, Gulf Coast there... versus Virginia Tech. They played today in the 12-5 matchup. Earlier, Kittley had 42 points. 
Why was there more Iowa fans there? No, no, I meant there's more Iowa fans at their game. Oh, than I there got was. you. Sorry. If the... I got you. I'm like, why was there more Iowa fans at the Florida Gulf Coast game? No, okay. no, no. Sorry. Words gotcha. are hard. I got gotcha. you. Words are hard. But um, I think Iowa has got a pretty easy path to the Sweet 16. I mean, Creighton's, when they've played great teams like UConn and South Dakota, they weren't able to win. They were able to keep it somewhat close in the first half, but then there'd be a separation in the second half. And I'm looking for similar results when they play Iowa next. Yeah, I, I think Iowa's going to handle Creighton. Um, I think we're destined for a, for an Iowa State-Iowa rematch, which is great for the state. Um, I think it's ridiculous that you the game has to be played in Greensboro, but that's just the nature of the tournament. But I think it'll be a great matchup. Um, boy, the, the nation will be watching, and the state of Iowa will be peeled to the television screens. Let's just hope that uh, – I'm hoping that Iowa State wins. I don't, I don't want Iowa State to get upset tonight. They play – they play the late game. They play at 9 p.m. Central time tonight on ESPNU. I doubt they're going to lose to UT Arlington. Just historic information alone says it's highly unlikely. I agree. And um, let me ask you about the Florida Gulf Coast game. Did you see, First off, did you see any of it? Or do you know the outcome of the game? I, I do know that Florida Gulf Coast won. You know that I predicted that win. So not to bragging myself there but i did have florida gulf coast winning that game um i i did not watch it. i saw highlights of it i saw highlights of the south carolina howard game which you know just put me back into reality for a second but uh no what would you want to ask about the florida gulf coast game i think florida gulf coast got screwed over by their seating there's no way based on their record and how good the teams they've been they should have been a 12 feet and i feel bad for virginia tech because they're a good basketball program that just faced a really good team. Yeah, I don't think Florida Gulf Coast they could beat Maryland next. I don't think Florida Gulf. I don't think Florida Gulf Coast was done dirty. I think Virginia Tech was done dirty because now Florida Gulf Coast has a somewhat open draw. Yeah, they get Maryland, but um, and Maryland uh, is playing right now, so I guess we don't know that for sure. But they're up seventeen. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, I, 30 and 30 and two. I mean, that's incredible that they were seated as low as a 12. Right. And that's what I meant is if you're Virginia, if you're Florida Gulf coast, I would expect that type of record in the team. I mean, they beat LSU at LSU. That's really hard to do. This that's year. a good team. Yep. Hmm? That's, that's, that's just a good team. Yeah, you know, exactly. They didn't have a real tough For, non-conference, but they beat temple. They beat Florida. They beat LSU. Um, yeah, they they did what they needed to do. I mean, they they had a bad loss to Princeton, although Princeton's not bad. Yeah, but you know what, Florida, in my opinion, Florida Gulf Coast should have been a seventh seed like Murray State was in the men's. I think those two are very similar teams in terms of they're in a lower conference, but they're a really good basketball team overall. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so uh, congratulations on the win, Corey. Appreciate it. On. Yeah, I know it eases some of the pain from yesterday's loss to the Spiders. A little bit, and and I made sure to say Princeton isn't bad because y'all play him tonight. So, um, or to, not tonight. You play him. When do you play him? Tomorrow at four. Okay, four Eastern. Yeah. Yep. So Princeton and so, Princeton. Who did they up? Who who, who did Princeton? Uh, 
or not who did they upset who did they uh they were conference champions see i'm just looking at their resume yeah they're 24 and 4 that's a good team you could argue the same about princeton because they got a win over florida gulf coast i have not looked at their resume in depth but uh beat villanova dude didn't beat didn't villanova beat connecticut yes at connecticut yeah princeton won at villanova um uh, let's see one against florida gulf coast lost to seton hall lost to texas had a game against texas ucf canceled a lot of teams lost to texas this year that's a dangerous game though for you tomorrow buddy that's a dangerous game i would be more worried about i, I think we could lose it but just the way we've been playing in the last week i mean we're the hottest team in the country by far so and it's about how you're playing right now. It's not about how good you've been all season. Right. So I think we'll. I, I think it'll be closer than expected. But I think we'll win by double digits in the end. Well, Corey, that's all I got for you tonight. Good all luck right, for your next game against Creighton, and uh, go Peacocks. <laughs> that's right. Appreciate it, sir. Appreciate the call, and uh, yeah, go go Cox, go Peacocks, go. Um... Whatever, go Spiders. Um, Skyler, a little bit better day for the Hawkeye State. It's accurate. James says, a good win, looks sloppy at the start, did what we should have done. Drill MVP, Illinois State was just happy to be there. Haven't made the tournament since 08. Cooper, thank you for being here, sir. Always good to see your name on the, the live stream. James says, we go from one team with an Iowa connection to a team with more Iowa connections. That's pretty cool. And then we're going to go to a team with even more Iowa connections. After that, I mean, we're literally talking about Iowa's biggest rival in Iowa State. Lemansky, Hawkeye women, first season, 1974, five wins, 16 losses, 22,157 record attendance, February 1985 versus Ohio State. Um, a little bit broken up here. I'm trying to put your uh, your message together here, Lemansky. But uh, what a what a season it has been. What a what a run for Lisa Bluter. Um, you know, again, can she get over the hump? I mean, she's got a different hump to get over that that Fran McCaffrey does not have. Fran McCaffrey has the hump of getting to the Sweet 16. Lisa Bluter, I think, right now, I mean, it's can she get to the Final Four? Or is this team good enough to get to the Final Four? I, I, I think that's going to be tough given given who's in their section. Um, we I know we went through the draw last night. Um, I, I just think it's going to be tough. And and if we let's go ahead and do that here since we're we're talking about the, the draw and, and we can actually talk about an Iowa Iowa women's victory. I know we took a lot of time doing this last night, so I'm not going to bore you with this. But let's go ahead and take a look at my my bracket here. And again, these are my projections. This is not what has happened. But um, we can re- kind of reveal and get this ba- uh, banner out of your way. Maybe. Where's the banner? There we go. Nope, that's not it either. Let's try it again. There we go. Thank you very much. Okay, so uh, just to kind of review what's happened for any Iowa fans who are just now seeing, the, I know a lot of people getting off work here at about five o'clock local time to kind of to kind of review what has happened so far today. So South Carolina blew out, blew out Howard, uh, seventy-nine to twenty-one. I, I feel terrible for Howard. They were twenty-one and ten heading in. They win seven, or excuse me, they lose twenty-one to seventy-nine. So this, of course, this result right here is obvious. Um, we we knew that going in. I think uh, 
I hate to think what the odds were, uh, what the line was in that game, but uh, South Carolina covered. Let's just say that. Um, now, Miami did beat South Florida. That was one I had wrong. So the eight seeded Hurricanes move on. No, let's get that off there. Um, right now, we've got, let's see, South. Uh, let me move down the list. Um, the North Carolina game. Let me get you a score on that. Um, North Carolina has not played yet. Um, so some of these games, of course, uh, will be played tomorrow. Um, Iowa State will play tonight. I've got them beating Texas Arlington. They'll play in Jack Trice or Jack Trice Hilton tonight. Utah leading. Um, let's see. Utah's not in this section either. Um, where, what section are we looking at here? Greensboro. Greensboro. Man, my mind is working slow today, folks. Mentioned Miami, um, Creighton over Colorado. You see, that was a prediction I got right. They will play the Hawkeyes tomorrow. Um, Dayton and Georgia are still to play this evening. And um, yeah, that, and then, of course, there'll be other games played tomorrow. But this is a pretty decent draw for Iowa now with Creighton, the 10 seed, moving on. And, I, and I, again, I didn't watch... Uh, the majority of that Creighton-Colorado game, but I like Iowa's chances to get through there. Assuming Georgia wins, I think this could be a dicey matchup for Iowa State, but I see the Cyclones getting... I think the Sweet 16 is pretty clear. I, I just don't know who's going to who's gonna trip up South Carolina before the Elite Eight. I, I just... I don't know who that's going to be. Even if Iowa can get past Iowa State to get to the Elite Eight, I just don't know who... You know, could Arizona... I don't know that Arizona has a firepower. I've got North Carolina moving on. I really don't think they can beat South Carolina either. But um, that is my my bracket as as it currently stands. So, um, but again, good win for Iowa, one game at a time. And boy, winning by forty at home in a tournament game is uh, about what you what you asked for. Exactly what the the doctor uh, ordered on on that first round victory. Ari Gold, uh, switching to, for a moment to the men's game. Is there any truth to the rumor that Fran was looking to leave Iowa in the last year? I, I don't. I, I listen. I'm never going to sit, you know, try to fool anybody on here um, on information that I simply don't have. Um, but I, I seriously doubt. I would say there's about a one percent chance that there was any rumor to this. I don't believe Fran was looking to go anywhere. Um, I, I do believe that uh, Fran is happy here. I, I think having his kids in school, having having his kids part of the team, having Jack McCaffrey at Iowa City, I have a hard time seeing him trying to leave is it possible i suppose could he want want to be closer to family or back to his roots out east i've always said that my guess is that the one job he would leave iowa for the the realistic opening that could happen would be if mike bray ends up leaving notre dame and, and that job becomes open and they're interested i think that might be the one job he would consider taking if they would take him um the rumors from whatever stupid social media um crap account i hate to call it that but it was completely don't trust just random social media accounts that claim to know the ins and outs about college basketball and 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 hirings and whatnot um th that that has largely been a lot of those claims have been debunked it's it's just a my understanding is it's a conglomerate of people who who knows who actually has access to those twitter accounts that are creating these rumors i don't believe there's any truth behind this ari gold and i'll be shocked if he's not uh, and Iowa, the Iowa coach next year. Uh, Connie, when the Iowa women are making the threes, I was really emotional because the men couldn't get them yesterday. That's accurate. Um, 
you know, I know people were talking yesterday about the Wilson ball that Iowa played with, and I get that's a factor. And I'm not saying that the men were making excuses, but that is an excuse. Um, but the Iowa women, I'm assuming the ball today that they played with was the ball they're used to playing with, would be my guess. So, uh, um, absolutely. Uh, you're you're, you're going to see this team reigning threes. There's a lot of weapons from three on this team, not to mention uh, Caitlin Clark, who can do it all. But you've got Gabby Marshall. We've seen Tommy Tywell really come on strong. Um, you know, certainly McKenna Warnock being healthy now helps. Kate Martin can knock them down, although I thought she struggled at times today. But this is a team that's going to be able to hit threes. And, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of firepower. Again, my only concern moving forward is athleticism and length to defend people like Caitlin Clark and Monica Sinano. So you neutralize those those two, which I understand that's hard to do. But if you're able to pull that off, it's going to be hard for Iowa to beat teams because the, that I mean, the offense flows through those two huge pieces offensively. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Lomansky, Corey. Hey, Lomansky. Before uh, earlier today, I caught your uh, your podcast with the real MVP from last night. It was like a wake. People that know each other, two people that know each other at a wake, and uh, that was kind of painful because uh, I think a lot of Iowa fans feel like you feel. But I thought I thought it was courageous of you to come back on and uh, and hash over it again. I, I'm I'm going into oh, and I want to just touch on. Uh, very Caden Fry-like action by you when you had uh, Gaten's on and Coach on and, uh, you know, the person called uh, Richmond Trash. And, and it's your show, number one. Number two, you know, somebody knocked on your front door of your home and you opened the door and they trashed your next-door neighbor. I think you'd shut the damn door. So I thought that was uh, excellent management of your show. I'm going to tie the women's and the men's program together about culture. Okay. And I type in this stuff about Lisa Bluter. And if you really look at the men's Iowa basketball coaches, uh, we've had four Hall of Fame coaches in our history. One is before our time in the 1920s. Then you have Ralph Miller who goes uh, before my time also. Then you have George Raveling uh, for three years here that, of course, was responsible for the recruiting that Tom Davis took and had a hell of a run. Then you have Lute Olson, who was here nine years. And then we have kind of uh, got sidetracked with two coaches, in my opinion. People can debate Alford, but Alford and, and Licklider didn't give us, in my opinion, much momentum. I think uh, if you look where Alford's gone since, I think he's now at Nevada. He's made several stops after Iowa. I don't give him, uh, uh, I don't even know if he'd be the top. He wouldn't very be very near the top of Iowa coaching history, in my my opinion. I think they hired a name and got rid of Tom Davis, one of the major mistakes any athletic director's ever made. And then uh, if you look at Fran, if you take away his first four years, and the reason I say that is, you know, he's got to get, the style of player for his program. But I think it was in his third year, he had a 20, he had a 20 win season. Now, if you take his last eight and you divide by the wins, that's 20.3 wins. And I guess some points have been made about, you know, how far as a coach has he taken, but think about the momentum the last few years with Garza 
and Keegan. And, you know, I watched uh, Caitlin Clark come off the court after interview, and she goes, she goes towards the tunnel and stops and signs all these autographs from these young girls. And it's true that recruiting is, uh, you know, national really helps. The Chicago connection with Lou Olson through an assistant got Kenny Arnold and, and Ronnie Lester. The North Carolina transfer, Steve Crafts and that team went to the Final Four. He came from North Carolina. Think of what, and I guess I'll give a little a little uh, love to Connor McCaffrey and Jordan Bohannon. If you watch Jordan Bohannon's post-presser after our tough loss, the guy was just shook. And McCaffrey is, you know, putting his hand on his head and and put his hand on his on his uh, back of his neck and think of like what Caitlin Clark is doing for recruiting and Jordan Bohannon and Connor McCaffrey those those young people that someday will choose a college. And I go back to days where Roy Williams, I almost, I almost have a, I respect him, but I just hate him because he stole Rafla friends and Heinrich. He stole so many Iowa players to Kansas. And while we mourn our, our loss in the, in the tournament, I think if we take five steps back and look at, look at the tenure and everything we can feel a lot better about it i'll uh, listen to your comments i agree lemansky now i'll say this for the fans that because you know there are fans out there that are they're very angry with fran right now you know that right well i think anger is putting it lightly yeah i mean i'm not saying it's right or wrong i mean everybody has a right to feel how they want to feel but what i will say on that you know i'm a fran mccaffrey fan and Yes, the caller that called yesterday, I explained that last night. The reason I cut that call short was because I wanted to show respect to Matt Gatons, who was on the show with us. That's that's all there is to that. And, you know, he calls in today. I have no problem chatting with him. I, again, appreciate him listening. Appreciate everybody listening. But um, as it relates to Fran McCaffrey, he still has to figure out March Madness. There's no question about that because – we're kind of in the same, you know, right now, can, can we, and, and I know some fans, I have to look at numbers, but Fran has basically restored Iowa to what Iowa was under Tom Davis for the most part. Am I, am I correct in saying that other than taking a year or two where, where Tom Davis had success early in his tenure in the tournament for the most part, this is why Tom Davis was relieved because he wasn't winning enough. Can we agree with that? Yeah, I think if you lop if you lop off the players that George Radling recruited, just that the first yeah. three years of Tom Davis, I think your comment is fairly accurate. Right, and that's what people will fall back on when defending the move. I I think the move was ridiculous as well. I'm agree, and I was I was uh, uh, taught back then basically. But my point is, he's still got to he's still got to get over that hump, and 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 I I, I feel bad for Fran because. You and I both know, Lemansky that uh, he had not had any success in the Big Ten tournament. The Big Ten tournament had been such a bugaboo for Fran McCaffrey, and that was one of the more frustrating things to me. It was more, even more frustrating maybe than the NCAA tournament because at least in the NCAA tournament, he consistently won at least a game, and Iowa typically just ran into a power in the second round. Now, that didn't happen this year, but my point being, um, this team found a way to win in the NCAA or in in the Big Ten tournament, and that is a huge, huge step forward. No, they didn't win just one game. They didn't win just two games. They didn't win just three games. They won four games in four days and won the title. 
I am frustrated just like everybody else because I thought this team was built to make a deep run and to not even get past the first day is frustrating. And Lemansky, I know you're frustrated by it. I'm sure you were frustrated yesterday, but you're right. We got to keep things in perspective. And Fran's not on the hot seat, nor should he be after winning the Big Ten. Um, you you bounce back. I do think if there's any chance that Keegan Murray comes back, I, I think those chances were elevated because of the loss yesterday. I don't know if that moves the needle from 0.5% to 1%, but it might move it slightly. So I am I am a Fran fan right now. There's no question about it. It is frustrating, and it's frustrating with how Iowa lost because it got completely outplayed, and it was it was shocking to me. But I'm with you. Fran deserves the support of the fan base, in my opinion. With that being said, everybody has a right to their own opinions, and if, if they want to you know, complain and complain and complain about March, they're right. Fran has not gotten to the second weekend in March you know, his entire tenure, and it's been, what, 12 years now. So I'm going to jump to comparing history of coaches. And Tom Davis coached out east at Boston College. He was at Stanford out west. He's a Ridgeway, Wisconsin, born and bred guy, came to coach Iowa. And so he had almost three different conferences to hone his craft. Fran basically left the head coaching job in Lehigh after UC Greensboro. Uh, left the Lehigh coaching job to study under John McLeod, Jack McLeod, who coached in the NBA and under Digger Phelps in Notre Dame to hone his craft. And I think, I think even though he, he think he's 62, I think when you go for the conferences where Fran was ahead of the program and now he shows up at the big 10, uh, some people would argue he's had enough time to hone his craft, but uh, I, I listened to the Big Ten Network, and they said one. There was a commentator said one really interesting thing, and you and I talked about it a couple shows ago. And it was it was uh, regarding, you know, how much does Keegan Murray touch the ball? And the Big Ten commentator said, Fran's motion offense, which he's been using for a long time, maybe Fran will reevaluate down the stretch with his team more plays to his star because in his opinion, he ran the motion offense and the ball can end up in the hands of the wrong guy. And then, and the second thing I'd like your comment on, I'm trying to figure out if this was because of Connor and because, uh, uh, of our experience of our, of our seniors, uh, Bohannon and Connor, were we inexperienced or team or weren't we? And, you know, when the bright lights come on and you and you haven't been there before, I can't figure out if we were slightly tired, which I I, I just don't think so. I, I, I think, think they the were. lights are pretty bright and the expectations are so high. I think, you know, we look like a young team. I'll let you comment. I think they were gassed, and, and I don't say that. And I say I say that primarily because it looked like Iowa was a step slow. I, I just haven't seen Iowa move that slow all year, um, specifically on offense. It just seemed like everything was just in slow motion. But 
it's not an excuse. It's not a valid excuse because Richmond had the same amount of prep. They had played four games in four days, won a title. If Iowa was having an emotional hangover, then that's an Iowa problem. Um, if they were having problems with the ball, then that's an Iowa problem. So to me, I, I think fatigue, you could argue it does something, something to do with it. I think it's it's unfair that Iowa had to play Thursday instead of Friday. And it's ridiculous that the Big Ten and still insists on playing the championship game on Sunday. That's I just think that's ridiculous. Let's move it to Saturday. And if if at all possible, if you play in your championship game over the weekend, then don't make you don't make these teams play until Friday. I think that's only fair. But again, it's not an excuse. I'm not going to use it as an excuse, but it is, I think, a factor. I do believe it played a factor in the result. That's that's what I would say, because I just have not seen that team look sluggish like that all year. Even in the Rutgers game where Iowa couldn't get a shot to fall, like they didn't look sluggish in that game. Rutgers just didn't allow anything from anywhere on the court. Defensively, Rutgers played a lot better than Richmond did yesterday. Rutgers wouldn't, wasn't allowing anything inside, wasn't allowing anything outside. I thought Iowa had a lot of open looks in the first half. They just missed. And I, I just never felt good about the game yesterday. Watching it, I just never felt like Iowa was in a position to take control. You know, Patrick McCaffrey had the quick seven in the second half. It felt like, okay, we can get a couple buckets here and move ahead. But boy, within a couple minutes, Richmond was right back in front. Richmond basically controlled that game from tip to final final horn. And I said it last night on the show, Lomansky, late night. I said, and yes, so you can say I'm a homer. I think if Iowa played that Richmond that Richmond team on a neutral court 10 times, I believe Iowa would win nine. I really believe that. I think they'd win nine of 10 times. I don't care what the, the naysayers have to say. I really believe that to be the case. And I'll, it'll never be proven. But Iowa's a much better team. And I think you play tomorrow, they'd, they'd win. They may win by 10 or 15. But that's what's crazy about March. That's the the flaw with March. That's what's great about March. And um, it just stinks to be on the other end of it, especially after what happened this past weekend. I'm going to debate you a little bit. Okay. And I want your response. To me, it's interesting that Patrick McCaffrey looked at he had fresh legs. And, of course, he hasn't played as many minutes because he's been out. And so yep. his minutes leading up to this were were kind of insulated. And he looked like the one guy that had little steps. So what I can't figure out is we're supposed to have the biggest bench in the Big Ten that's kind of linked to our success. And they should have been fresh. So I don't know if it's a plane ride or bright lights, but I just I can't buy it totally that – both teams went through the same preparatory period and our bench can't compensate for that. And, and man, our, the bright lights that we've had with Joe T and uh, our bench, I just, man, I just, I was just shocked, just well, shocked that our bench couldn't help us more. Uh, Joe T I thought played with great energy when he was in the game, he played with great energy, but see, he's not an offensive. He's just not an offensive guy. He's not going to create his own shot. He needs guys around him to be doing their thing. And you're right about the motion offense. I think at times in the second half, and I wouldn't necessarily blame the motion offense, but there were times where we were screaming at Keegan, not mad at Keegan, but just thinking he needs to go get the ball. Like he's the best player in the country, potentially. He needs to get this ball. And he never really took charge until like the final two minutes. And at that point, it was do or die. And, you know, there was no room for error. And it was too little too late, honestly. And, you know, you have a couple of bad calls and that seals the game. So um, I do believe that Fran, that's one thing that if I'm Fran, I'm probably looking at this offseason. If there's any chance of Keegan coming back or not, I need to think, okay, Chris is basically a carbon copy of 
Keegan. I know he plays a bit differently, but even if it's not Keegan here next year, Chris is going to be the guy. How do we how do we change things so that and and maybe he doesn't feel that he needs to do that. But I saw in that game yesterday, I think an, an inability to ride your best your best player when 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 you know uh, troubled times come, and they need to figure out how to get the ball to their best guy and let him go to work in isolation. And they just never did that once, and that's uh, that is a bit concerning. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, Luca Garza. You know, he's a different player uh, for the most part. They could rely on him when they needed a bucket just to drop it down to him. But Keegan's a guy at the next level. You know, he plays kind of like a, he is. He's going to be a small forward. I don't, I don't think he's a power forward at the NBA level. I think he plays like a small, and so he's going to have to be a guy who takes the ball out in the wing and, and makes a play at times. Um, and certainly at this level, I would have. I'm not blaming Keegan Murray. I think it, it would have been. Um, it would have been wise a couple times in that second half. I felt like Fran could have used another timeout. He, I think he had like three timeouts late in the half. Um, I don't know that he used a timeout in that second half until late. So timeouts are another thing I wish Fran would be a little bit more resourceful with. And I mean that in uh, be a little bit more liberal with your timeout spending. But again, I'm, 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 I'm grasping at straws here, Lemansky, trying to figure out how to explain it. But I just don't understand how... Iowa was so slow in the game. They just looked like they they were lethargic, and maybe that was a, an emotional hangover. If it wasn't if it wasn't physical fatigue, then I, I just don't know what it was because they did look slow. And I'm not the only one who commented that. I know Coach Gary Close said the same thing. And I thought of what you just said and didn't mention earlier that when you have that emotional high, I mean, I don't have any good analogies of it because I can't remember any great. Uh, analogy in my uh, below average sporting career, but when you have a high that high where human beings and their kids, and you tend to go compensate low, and that's true with your a lot of things. And I, I think part of it is I don't want to call it reading your press clippings when you have that kind of emotional high, and then you play a team you know nothing about. And the second thing I'll, I think that has something to do with, and the second thing I'll say is that. This team has ridden the horse about, I have confidence you shoot the ball. I think about uh, um, Mulvey's three-pointer, which I winced when Mulvey shot it, but Fran backed him kind of in post game, even though he kind of winced at the bench, and you kind of love it. But, you know, this is the NCAA tournament, and when you are playing, they're all good teams. I really would, would, would debate anybody about the ball in the hands of your greatest players. And there should have been, especially when you know you're on the ropes, in the second half, there should have been plays run for Keegan either outside on the three-point line in the screen game or down low or Chris Murray. We still don't know what Chris Murray was capable of because he got the shaft on a foul. And that was late in the game because he didn't have enough plays run for him. And those are our two best shooters and somebody's probably got, uh, you know, I think Sanford's going to come out of his shell next year, and I'm going to look very carefully. He's got plays run for him in close games because that guy for a freshman can handle the bright lights. But uh, I'll let you respond. Yeah, and Freedom Liberty, appreciate this super chat from Freedom Liberty. Uh, this kind of goes along with what we're talking about, Lemansky. He says, Iowa women won eight games in 14 days to close the season, playing mostly eight players. Tired is no excuse. Um. That's true. Now, they did have Freedom Liberty. They did have 
the extra week off. And I know you're you're also you're not just bringing up this Illinois State game, but it does bring into question once you hit March Madness if there's more of a need for a longer break as opposed to the the gap between the end of the regular season and the and the beginning of conference tournament play. I'm not saying it's an excuse. I, I'm just trying to figure out where the fatigue that seemed to be there on the court was coming from. Um, but the, the Iowa women didn't even look rusty today. Like they were off, what, two weeks almost, a week and a half? Didn't even look rusty. So um, I appreciate this super champ from from Freedom Liberty. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have another explanation, Lamansky. I just, uh, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to, to look back and, and figure out in hindsight, what the, what the problem was, but um, I, I will never know. It's just, uh, it's going to be one of those mysteries that goes down in the record books. I guess the, the last thing books. I'll leave you with, and I don't have any strong opinion because I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but I have a friend that's, uh, he's a big Iowa State fan. He lives out West. He, he watches a lot of program, uh, uh, NBA games. He's very knowledgeable, very intelligent. And he's been telling me all year he disagrees with playing a long bench. He thinks when you get into tournaments, you're better off to go with a shorter bench and seven players. We don't do that. I don't know the right or wrong of it, but uh, it's kind of interesting that the Iowa women, they got the two big horses. They ride those suckers, and uh, it seems like the shorter the shorter bench for the Iowa women has worked all right, and I don't have an opinion, but I'll hang up and listen to the show. You can Thanks, Lomansky. Appreciate the call. And yeah, I uh, the 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 depth off the bench. First of all, Iowa played. Let me let me count how many guys Iowa played yesterday. We didn't see Moley. We didn't see Gundley. We didn't see Ulis. So they won the Big Ten tournament by going deep, right? They they won that Purdue game by going what twelve deep. So if I'm counting right, they went nine deep yesterday. Let me let me pull up the numbers. Um, have to be nine, right? Because Ulis didn't play, Ash didn't play, Mulvey didn't play, and Agunale didn't play. Um, so, uh, and maybe maybe Ulis should have played. I don't know what's going on there in Ulis. That's probably a discussion for a different day. I, I have no idea what's going on there because the dude was playing, I thought, well, basically all season, and all of a sudden we're not seeing him on the court. Now, this actually says that Ulis must have played less than a minute because he is listed on the participation chart. Um, so that would be 10 guys, but he played less than a minute. According to this, um, Sanford played eight minutes. Perhaps he should have played more. And I'm sure Fran is, you know, he's going to be the guy that thinks, you know, I should have played so-and-so more. Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't think rotation had much to do with it, especially given the fact that Iowa won in the big 10 tournament by playing such a deep, uh, such a deep group of guys. And, um, Again, we, we're going to continue to try to figure out, I mean, grasp at straws. I keep using that term because there really isn't an explanation. I feel terrible for Jordan Bohannon. I feel terrible for Connor McCaffrey if he's leaving. I feel bad for him either way. Um, Keegan Murray, if he leaves, that, that's not the way you want to leave. And that's why I think there's a small chance, small chance that he comes back. But it's it's very it's very remote, but it, it is there. It is there. Um Freedom Liberty says Martin did not struggle today. She had four blocks early and uh, a huge three late. No, she. I'm not saying she didn't make some plays, but given what kind of Big Ten tournament she had, I thought she struggled a bit today. Uh, let me pull up her final numbers, um, I, and I get where you're coming from, Freedom Liberty. But his, uh, or excuse me, her uh, her stat line for the day today. Um, Kate Martin was. Uh, 
had five points, just two of four from the field. So, you know, didn't didn't really take a lot, didn't really need to. I mean, this team, that's the good news about this team is with Warnock healthy now, they've got some they've got some options for that third score, whether that be Gabby Marshall, Kate Martin, or McKenna Warnock. They've you know, and then again, um Taiwo sometimes comes in there and makes some plays, and she really wasn't offensively where she needed to be a year or two ago. And she's playing a lot better on that end now. So um, I think there will be games. I, I understand where you're coming from here. I think there will be games where Kate Martin takes more shots and uh, and makes more shots. But uh, I guess you're right. Two of four from the field isn't a bad day. And again, seven boards, which is uh, really what they have her in there for, just to kind of be that that scrappy, dirty play. And that's why I've compared her to Kathleen Doyle. Doyle was more of an offensive threat. Maybe Martin becomes that next year. Although with Caitlin there, I, I, it's, it's harder for her offensive game and, and – I think she's got some of the same characteristics of a Kathleen Doyle with her ball handling skills and and aggressive mentality. We'll see if that translates into more offense moving forward. Um, Hawkeye Howard, appreciate you being here, buddy. He says, great work this year. Looking forward to football season. I'm looking forward to it as well. We've got spring football to talk about every Tuesday with Mark Rogers over at the other channel. Uh, Tipsy McStagger says, the wrestling attorney has been really emotional as well. Lots of feelings come out of my eyes recently and Skyler brings up the Marinelli loss. Um, you know, I think this season, I'm not saying that again, I, I, um, I have not been following wrestling nearly as much as I know many of you who are big wrestling fans have been. I'll just admit that at the, at the outset, first of all, because of how much is involved in, in running this show for Iowa women's basketball and Iowa men's basketball. But, um, I, I think the Spencer Lee to, to sum things up, I think it's safe to say the Spencer Lee injury I, Iowa never really recovered from that. And I, I think Iowa played one of its competed in one of its best duels of the year against Penn state and lost. And, but that's the difference Spencer Lee makes. I think he he's in, he competes in that, that duel. They probably win. Um, but uh, still some unbelievable wrestler and you're going to lose a couple of guys, you know I mean? That's just that Michael Kimmer has been here like what, seven years. Everybody makes fun of Bohan and Kimmer's going to be gone. So, uh, you know, been able to enjoy them for a long time, but uh, some of these guys who have been the face of Iowa men's basketball, Iowa wrestling, will not be here next year, and that's the bittersweet part of March. Um, the Hawkeye 120 it takes four years to build a program from two conference wins and bottom of the barrel. Um, and thank you for for this super chat, Hawkeye Howard. I know I had it on the screen earlier. Thank you for the super chat donation. He says, "Hey, hey, spring football is coming." It absolutely is next week, next week. So there are good things happening, at least interesting things happening. And uh, Freedom Liberty, thank you for this super chat as well, the super chat donation. And uh, Freedom Liberty says Martin had 5.7 rebounds, four assists, three blocks today, did not struggle at all. I uh, I validate what you just said. I, I know I ran through the stats a second ago, but um, she, she'll have better offensive days, but she just didn't need to be nearly as uh, productive as she was in the Big Ten tournament. Kelly, good to see you here, Kelly. Uh, says she was at the game and now stuck in traffic, so please be safe in listening to this show. Please drive safe home. Hawkeye128 talks about the, the raveling recruits, and that is the counter-argument to Tom Davis's success. And that's why I think Fran has basically built the program back to what, what Coach Davis did, and, and I love Dr. Tom. Um, I wasn't alive during the majority of Dr. Tom's era, but just everything that I know from Gary Close and from talking to former players and from watching Iowa games from back in the 80s and 90s, this he, he was just an unbelievable person to have as a part of this program, very much similar to Kirk Ferentz and what he's done for Iowa football. 
whether you want to knock Kirk for not winning more Big Ten titles. I get that argument. I'm not saying I don't support that argument even. But as a person, they have been successful, um, not abundantly successful as far as postseason results and, and championships, but um, they have brought a lot of high character to the Iowa Athletic Department. Darrell Hayden says, I'm not saying Fran needs to be fired. We have to have a serious conversation about the fact that it's been 12 years since Lick and our fear of going back to the Lick years needs to be addressed. Uh, let me address that in a second. Let's get to our caller here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? It's Hawkeye Howard. Hawkeye Howard. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I just thought I'd call you before I head off to work. Um, I want to say, you know what? It's been a great year for basketball. Um, look, look what they accomplished. You know, we can sit here and pick, you know, pick it apart and with this one less game. But, you know, I have to say is, you know, they're human and they paid a lot of games in those within, you know, a couple of weeks. And they, I, like you said, they look flat. And I, I just say, you know what? They're human. And plus everybody had them going to the final four and doing this. I was like, my father always said, don't get your car for the horse. You know, it's one game at a time, and guess what? That one game bit him in the you-know-where. So, and, yeah, and and I think you're right. I think that's a great point, that these kids are human. And I remember asking Frank Henderson, uh, Tony Perkins' uncle, on Tuesday about this. I remember asking Kenyon Murray and mm-hmm. Chris Kingsbury and Coach Close about this on Wednesday night. And I asked a simple question, could the hype be too much for this team? Could it get to their heads? And I'm not implying that it did. But if there was even some um, unconscious, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but uh, sort of a letdown because of some of the hype, and, and the hype was real. You you, you brought it out. Um, the fact that we yeah. had Clark Kellogg and Dick Vitale and Andy Katz and all these people for ESPN and these big names, Reese Davis saying that Iowa was a Final Four team. As a human being, that's going to affect you, whether you're a senior or not. These are 22, 23-year-old kids. Maybe Jordan Bohan's 26 or 24 now. But these are <laughs> still young adults, Howard, and I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right on that. It's not an insult to them. I think any team, I think every team, it's how you deal with it. It's not that you just dismiss it because it's almost impossible to just dismiss it, but it's how you deal with it. And I think you got to give Richmond the credit. They seem to use that potentially as motivation, mm-hmm. and I don't think Iowa – it doesn't seem that Iowa was able to harness that and use it as motivation. Not saying they, that, nope. that it was a detriment, but they certainly weren't able to, to to build behind that and use it as further further motivation. If that makes sense, it's it's in the ring. They're young, they're young, they're young students, and they got they got that uh, invincible. I'm invincible kind of attitude right now, and and they got to learn to pace themselves. An old coach told me, you got to learn to pace yourself, learn to pace yourself. Yeah, they probably have. But to me, they just seemed like they were just really flat, like you kept saying. And I just, as soon as I saw that, I go, yep, they didn't pace themselves. So, and it happened what happened. Now, that being said, it was a great year. Fran really built something here. He's got a model. He knows what he's got to do the next time. Let's hope we can do. He can, you know, duplicate this going forward. I just and and, and address. You know, I know 
Howard, you've been here since like the beginning of this channel. The real Hayden has mm -hmm. been here forever, but I'm going to mm -hmm. disagree with Hayden for a second here. Cause to say that, or we're fear, fearful of going back to the lick years, Hayden, Fran's making the tournament every year. Lick never licked the tournament. Uh, excuse me. He never <laughs> sniffed. He never sniffed the tournament. Sorry, my my pun there was pretty pretty distasteful. He never <laughs> sniffed the tournament. So to say that we're fearful of going back to the tournament or going back to the lick era, I, I don't have a fear of going back to the lick era. Are you kidding me? With the development that's happening right now, the fact that they they just won four games in four days and won the Big Ten title, and now you have a right to your opinion, Hayden. And you know I love you and appreciate you being on here, but I don't agree with that at all. And yes, I agree with this notion right here that we shouldn't be making decisions because of fear. And, and I feel feel like at times football has done that. I've been very outspoken about that. Hawkeye Howard, you know that. I've been outspoken about mm -hmm. decision making and not wanting to take chances because we're afraid of failing. But I don't think that's where basketball is. I don't think that's how Fran operates. And even though I think the athletic department administration has at times failed in making this in making decisions that are best for the fan base and best for the program, I don't believe anything should be even discussed right now with Fran McCaffrey because he just won a big mm -hmm. title for the first time in 16 years. Yeah, I think he's doing fine. He's now he's got the mold to do, you know, to go forward. He knows what it takes to get there and he's got that taste. And I think he, uh, I think, it will, you'll be seeing more going forward and, you know, big 10 championships and big 10 champion uh, tournament championships. Now going changing about your channel. What a year that you've had with your channel. Look, all the guests you had, I applaud you. This, this basketball season had all the old players and everything you had coming on the channel with the, with the coaches. I thought, uh, I thought it was great. Well, I appreciate I really it. thought it was great. Yeah. And you know, so, I, you know, I'm genuine when I say that I appreciate that. I appreciate hearing those compliments because first of all, um, I, I give a lot of the credit for a lot of these uh, guest appearances to coach close. He's been amazing at, at helping these things happen, but I've had a blast doing it. And uh, it's, it's been tiresome. I'm, I'm, I just was talking to a friend of mine today. I, I'm tired, even though we, I would just lost in the first round. I mean, I would have powered through, these next these four days, because Iowa men would have played. They played Thursday. We would have had a post game show today for the women, post game show tomorrow for the men, and a post game show Sunday for the women. But I would have powered through it. But it, it's 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 uh, tiresome. So I, I do appreciate hearing that, Howard, that, that you've appreciated the uh, the work we put in. And, and let's let's do the women now. Let's right on the uh, women's coattails, and we'll see how far the women can do. I mean, they've been doing great. You just look at all this the football big. Uh, we're West champions, uh, basketball. We're Big Ten, we're co Big Ten champions and tournament champions, and the women are, are Big Ten champions in the track. It's great to be a Hawkeye this year. Come on, I I agree. I agree. Now here's the deal, so, Howard. I said it last night. the The basketball team, the football team, were in very similar positions in the end because both teams mm -hmm. failed to get over the hump. There were significant accomplishments made by both teams, but uh, the Iowa football team wins the West. Fans are celebrating, rightfully so, but then you get pounded in the Big Ten championship game. The Iowa men's basketball team wins the Big Ten tournament and then loses in the first round of, the, of March Madness. That is a problem. Can we agree on that? That's mm -hmm. a problem. Even though we celebrate the accomplishments, that's a problem. That's a problem. 
Fran is Fran is oh, he's had a problem with the first round um, tournaments, and but I, I believe uh, um, I'm going to say this. I, I, I I'm going to put myself out there on that limb, and I believe Fran will figure it out and get past the first round going forward. I really believe that, and as far as football, we won't go there until August. We got so. plenty of time to go there in the next five months. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, I'll get off the horn, a horn, and I won't talk as long as <clears throat> some people. Well, in a way, uh, but uh, you have a great <laughs> evening, and uh, I will uh, keep listening and stuff. Um, probably won't hear from me for a little while because I'm headed down to Little Rock. Okay. Uh, do some work down there for the next four weeks. So. Well, okay. Well, safe travels, sir, and we'll talk to you when you get back. Okay. Thank you. Take care, man. Appreciate that from Hawkeye Howard and um, want to extend appreciation. DC Hawk with the uh, super, uh, I'm going to call it a super chat. I think it's a super chat, uh, super slash super, super thanks. I need to be able to identify these. DC Hawk, thank you so much for this. Um, very much appreciated and um, very much appreciate your support throughout the year and, and for being here and, and helping to support the channel. Um as you can, as you are able to financially. So thank you for that. And um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that, that Hawkeye Howard just had to say. I, I do think that there's a, right now there's still a major hump for both of these programs, whether we're talking football or men's basketball to get over. The good news is the women have much surpassed that hump. Lisa Bluter right now, the next hump for Lisa, as I said earlier in the show, is finding a way to get to, the final four. And and that's a huge accomplishment. If you can do it, they're in a position this year where, where if you can get fortunate, I mean, they got to get really fortunate because they're a two seed, but they're a two seed in the wrong region. Okay. They're a two seed in the South Carolina region. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Once you get, if you can get past Iowa state, I think the draw is actually pretty favorable. I was familiar with Iowa state. I have a hard time seeing Iowa state beating Iowa again. I know Iowa state's loaded. Ashley Jones is spectacular. I, I just feel like, once we get to Greensboro and Iowa, we'll have just well, they just blew out Illinois State. I think you'll get a win against Creighton. Now the Iowa State women will have two wins under their belt as well. But I, I see Iowa winning that game and and uh, moving on against South Carolina. I just don't know who's going to beat the Gamecocks prior to the Iowa game. Um, but uh, I guess time will tell. I'm not going to dismiss it. But again, thank you, DC Hawk, for that. Much appreciated, Tim Van Sheppen. Which players leave on transfer? That's a great question. And I'm assuming you're talking the men. Again, I apologize to the, the women's basketball fans who are on here. I try to let the, the fans take this show where they please. I've tried to to relate everything back to the women. But if we're talking about men's hoops, Tim, um, I'm, I, I don't want to really speculate on that. I know people have speculated on Joe Toussaint possibly leaving. I've speculated, you know, is Josh Agundale going to stay? You know, is his development, is it coming along and enough? You know, he hasn't played. He's been here two years. He hasn't really played significant minutes ever. Um, you know, what's going on with Tyler Eulis? You got DeSante Bowen coming in, coming in next year. The big story is at point guard because with, with Bowen coming in and you lose Bohannon, will Eulis and, and Toussaint both stick it out? That's the question. I sure hope so. Um, Toussaint, such a team first guy. Tyler Eul- or Iron Eulis has great connections to the program with his brother's recruitment and, and coming here and playing early as a freshman. But he just faded late as far as playing time is concerned. So a great question, Tim. If Connor McCaffrey decides to come back, by the way, and I had somebody ask me this earlier today on Twitter, if Tyler, excuse me, if if Connor McCaffrey comes back 
they don't have any scholarships available because they got Josh Dix coming in and they've got DeSante Bowen coming in. They have no scholarships available. So if Connor comes back, yeah, could he come back as a walk-on? I suppose. Um, would Fran do that? I don't know. Perhaps. I know Aiden Shaw's available, a kid that Iowa recruited that had committed to Mizzou. Obviously, they'd love to go. I think they'd love to go get a transfer three-point shooter. I think they could really use one with Bohannon leaving. I don't know if Josh Dix is going to be healthy to play right away and be a factor. And then you're hoping that one of those big guys develop. Now, if one of those big guys leave, then then you can go out and get a big man in the transfer portal potentially. But that's assuming you can find one and assuming they want to come here. I don't know why you wouldn't want to come here as a big man, given what Luca Garza did just a couple of years ago and what Tyler did, Tyler Cook did prior, etc. But um, great question, Tim. Big, maybe one of the biggest stories, storylines now for the immediate future. Do these guys stick it out? And if not, how does Iowa respond via the transfer portal? All right, uh, Tipsy is Euless underperforming at practice again. I have no idea. Um, I know I'm skipping Pat by missing your comment. I'm trying to get to the end here because we are, we just hit an hour and, um, I know I got another call here waiting. So I want to get to that call here in a second, but I want to make sure that I'm not missing a couple of the comments that I had marked. Uh, DC Hawk says the, the SBN article, why Iowa and Kentucky lost was very insightful, especially in the last line of the Iowa part of the article. Same comment could apply to the Iowa football team. And I will check that out. DC Hawk. I have not seen that. I did see uh, that article advertised, I believe, when I opened up the uh, ESPN uh, app. Tim says the there is a great big man at Iowa State we could use. Are we talking about Xavier Foster? Um, there's a lot of baggage there, Tim. I know he was um, he's not being charged by the Ames Police Department, and uh, I know this. I mean, first of all, it was big news, but um, I have a bit more information on that that investigation because. Um, I operate a a news site here in Story County. So this was a local news. um, This was a local news item here for quite some time and that ongoing investigation. And there just wasn't enough evidence to press charges against Xavier Foster. So he is available, but I I sure don't think Fran's probably interested in taking him on. Um, But uh, I guess you never know, but I I just, I would think there, there, there's a lot of other options. You don't want to send bring a guy like that in there who could potentially be, cause problems with a with a, a roster and a group that's very close-knit. That's what I'd say. But again, never say never on on using the portal to go get a big man. I think they could use it. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, this is the Iowa Hawkeye. Um, hey. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, what you were saying about, you know, who's coming in next year and who would stay and okay. whether Keegan would stay. Um, you know, I, I think Frank goes through every year with the kids, he gives them a talk and say, this is where I see you at on the team and what you can do for us and, you know, what role you can play. And, and it very may well be that someone like Ulysses and, or Toussaint, you know, with, with this new kid coming in, as a good point guard. You know, he may say, Hey, this will be your role on the team. If you can do better, then, uh, you know, I give you the job and you do better then you know, the opportunity is there for you. Um, so I think that really goes on every year. And I think, we see that, you know, with, with kids that, that leave this program. Um, but as far as, you know, we're talking about Davis and, and uh, McCaffrey, they're really sort of in the same position. McCaffrey's really sort of in the same position Davis was. You know, he built the program up to where they were making 
the tournament every year, pretty much making the tournament every year. And, yes. you know, he did have a big boost out of, you know, Greg Stokes and Michael Payne and those rattling kids and BJ Armstrong. But really, it was sort of the same conversation. And, and we're talking about, is Iowa going to transition into a school like, you know, the top, the top, perennial top five, 10 schools in the country that, that win the national championships. And, and part of the reason they win the national championships is because they are able to recruit from the top of that list. When you played for Tom Davis and you played for Fran McCaffrey, and part of the reason they run these you know, deep offenses is because kids get to come here and learn how to play basketball, you know, and they're going to get a chance to play. They're, and when you run a, you know, you run a seven man team and you play, you know, slow half court basketball, you can create, you can, you can win more, but you're not going to get the same kind of recruits. You know, a school like, if you just look at the McDonald's all Americans, they're all, they all go to Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Duke, you know, and that's not who we get, you know, that's not who, um, Tom Davis got after, uh, you know, the raveling recruit. So you're talking about how do you transition into that kind of program? You know, you look at someone like Kentucky, they recruit five freshmen, they win the national championship, five new freshmen, you know, and uh, that's a tall order, right? You're talking about from going from a perennial um, show in the, in the dance to actually making damage in the dance. And I just don't think that that's a really, really, hard thing to do given our market and, um, and, and, you know, what these other schools can do, you know, if you, you want to win a national championship and go to the NBA, you have that capability as a player, you're going to go to Duke or Kansas, you know, and the, the thing that's been great about McCaffrey is he's been able to keep our best players home and we haven't been doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I've been watching since Olsen, so, you know, once once he had that ability to transition the program into a national powerhouse, um, you know, he went to where he could recruit and, and, and get the kind of um, help from the university that uh, he could there. Um, I now, he was a fantastic coach, you know. Look, look, so, me, um, anyway, your thoughts. Yeah, let me interject there because – you you bring up bringing or keeping the big recruits home. I'm assuming you're talking Marcus Page, Harrison Barnes, um, Omaha Billy. Are those the guys you're referring to? Taman Lipsy. Yeah, those kind of kids. Yeah, those definitely. Well, got away from us. You know. Yeah, I, I think you're. You know, that, that's it is hard to. It's going to forever be hard for Iowa to compete with the likes of North Carolina for a guy like Harrison Barnes. I think Omaha Billy will probably end up at Kansas or. Uh, probably Kansas. I don't know. I mean, I have no inside information on Kansas, but um, it is going to be hard. Now, I will say this. We have to acknowledge the fact that Keegan Murray is a five-star recruit. Whether we want to acknowledge that or not, he is. Can we agree on that? Um, out, of, out of high school, he wasn't, for sure. Well, I, but I don't care. But does it really matter what the recruit? Who cares what the recruiting rankings are? He's the best player in the country, potentially. He's a five-star guy, right? Oh, oh, you mean coming out of college for sure? Yeah, I mean, I, I, but but not out of high school. Well, but I mean, they, no one no one was looking at those guys. Either, but, either one of the brothers. But I'm saying he's only been here one year, so 
it's not like he was a five-year product and now he's just now getting to the point of being an All-American. He's been here. This is his second year here and he's playing like the best player in the country. You see what I'm saying? I, I mean, yeah, there are guys who are going to come from high school to, to the college level and be and play like five-star guys who are ready for the NBA. Yeah, and it took Keegan an extra year. But, I mean, like, okay, he was a zero-star recruiter, whatever he was, three-star recruit coming out of high school or coming out of DME Academy. But you've got to give Fran credit for what he may lack, and some of that's not his fault, being able to grab those big guys like Bill Yu or whoever. He has been making up for it, similar to how Kirk Ferentz has over his history, making up for it by identifying guys who in a year, two, three, and with Garza, you know, even towards his fourth year, have become the best players in the country or close to that. I mean, most programs can't boast that. So I think that has to be considered. But oh, you're absolutely. right. In Kentucky, I mean, I, to- I totally agree with that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's why kids come here. That's, you know, they know they're going to get to, they're going to get to learn how to play. And, and, you know, these other schools, you know, they don't have the kind of, you know, you look at, look at Iowa football and Iowa basketball, um, you know, back when I played basketball, I mean, it extended all the way down into the high school. We knew every play that the Hawkeyes ran. We ran every single inbounds play, every offense, every defense. And that's because of that. And same with football, that extension that the program does down into the state level, you know, and, uh, and, and so we're able to, to, you know, we have a good base in Iowa for football and basketball. And, uh, but these other schools don't necessarily aren't doing that. They don't, you know, Kentucky does not have to, or Duke does not have to extend itself as a program to get the kind of recruits that they get. They don't. Iowa does. Iowa has to, you know, generate uh, opportunities for kids in their, in our own state and uh, take advantage of it. So and how do sometimes they? that means. How do they do that? What do you mean? How how do they do? I mean, how, how do they take advantage of? How do they how do they keep Omaha Bill you home? Because like you knew and I both know, Fran has not been afraid as opposed to, and I'm not saying that Kirk Ferentz recruits afraid, but I'm saying Kirk has oftentimes, and we heard it even in in, in regards to the transfer portal earlier this year. We heard uh, was it Tyler Barnes or Kirk Ferentz himself who basically said that we don't really target the big names because we we don't want to waste our time. He's basically said that Fran has not had that model. I, I don't disagree with that. What I'm saying is, is that a player like Harrison Barnes is going to go, Hey, I'm going to Duke because they've won the national championship and I'm sure. going to get a chance to win one. Right. You know, and, and that's just, and that's what I'm saying. You know, if you, we're talking about Iowa, you know, essentially kind of trying to do what Wisconsin has done, which, you know, has a lot of, of Iowa um, alum in its, in its uh, coaching staff and through its program. Mm-hmm. So, how do you do that? You know, and, and, and that's what I'm just saying. It's like, there's, you can't compete with these markets and these schools that can just pick from the top. They, they do. And, you know, and that's why, you know, that's why they get the recruits. And um, so to, to transfer yourself and say, Oh, we're going to, we're going to become a Kansas where, where we have a chance to win the national championship, you know, once every four or five years, there are very few schools that can do that. And part of the reason they can do it is because they have done it, you know, and kids are going to go, well, this is my best opportunity to win a national championship. The kids that are going to Iowa are saying, I'm going here because I get a chance to play uh, basketball or football. And I have a good chance of learning how to play, 
at the level where I can transfer to the professional game. And Fran has done that very well. And I would say, um, again, minus the raveling recruits, better than, than Tom Davis, you know? Yeah. So I, I just think, you know, to, to, you know, I mean, I was there. I watched every Tom Davis game. So I, I, I feel, you know, I felt like people are feeling about Fran right now in terms of, well, how come we can't do this extra thing, you know, to right. have this big finish. And, you know, in my, in my sports career, you know, I, you know, I, I was a tennis pro for a lot of years and I know like winning championships, winning tournaments, you really could get through those kinds of environments and come out on the top. It's very rarely that, you know, you're a Cinderella team and you go all the way. You, what you usually have is I'm pretty darn good. And if I get through the second week and I'm in the semis or the quarters, I'm pretty hard to beat. And I've, I've done it before, you know, the road there isn't as hard along the way. You know, you look at a team like Gonzaga is a great example how hard are they working to win every game this year, right? They're not working that hard in compared to teams that are working in the Big Ten. But having said that, when it gets to that time of the year, they've got the legs to do it, you know. They've got the confidence to do it. And uh, um, that, that's, to me, that just learning how to make that transition. I mean, I don't think you could find another coach in the country that's going to come to Iowa and take a team that's won one game in the Big Ten uh, you know, t- 12 years ago. And that was one of my favorite teams. The uh, first team he had with um, Jared Cole and yeah. and May and, and Matt Gaines. It was unbelievable. Loved it. Great team. Anyway, um, you know, it, you just, that's just a really, really tall order. Half the teams lose, you know, in one day. Uh, and just to make one last point about, mm-hmm. about uh, you know, how we play these kinds of games, you know, these one and done games, I think Close made a really good point about that. You know, my, my experience with, with one and done is you got to go in there swinging, you know, don't hold anything back because it's not, uh, you know, it's not the, the worst you play. It's that you, you play well. I think, I think the team got out there. They didn't want to make mistakes. You know, everybody wanted to do the right thing, you know, and, and, and you alluded to this point too. I mean, you got to get Teague in the ball and he's got to yeah. get his 25 and he's going to carry that team. And they got to go out there and say, we're just going to drop on these guys. And if we lose, we lose, we win, we win. But and I you're think not going to be able to play tentative basketball. To put and, some and level of responsibility on Keegan, I think he also has a level of responsibility. He's a lottery pick to go get the ball. I want to make that clear. Absolutely. I'm not trying to put the majority of the blame on him. I'm not putting any blame on him, but it's not, not only should it Absolutely not. be a concerted effort to get him the ball, he's got to go get the ball. Yeah, and 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 just say I'm taking over. You know, right. this is my team, and and I'm, if we're going to lose, it's going to be because of me. If we're going to win, it's going to be because of me. Right. You know, and and uh, and so you know, tennis is a, is the same way. You can't since there isn't tomorrow. Since you're going to be back on that plane if you lose then you got to just say, I'm just going to go out there and swing. And, yep. and that's it. You know, if I can knock the guy out, I'm knocking him out. And if it's not my day, it's not my day. But, you know, you can't go home any other way, you know. I want and you to... there's no doubt about these kids' effort. You know, it's not that. It has nothing to do with that. But I also know about legs. And man, a lot of matches I, I lost because of legs, not because the guy was better on better than me. And 
know, in this particular instance, you know, they, they had uh, for, you know, they had the same schedule too. Um, but, you know, we also run this high run gun offense, you know, so we're not going to be able to, you know, they, we couldn't get transition on them if we tried the other night, you know, so you can be better than another team. And, and plus that kind of offense they run, you know, three days to figure that out. It's, you know, it's not like a team that, that we play before. So I'm not making excuses for them, but it was, you know, I've always been unhappy with the Big Ten tournament because I think of this this extra wear it puts on the kids going into into the NCAA's. And I wish, you know, I mean, maybe if you had a double buy, that would be enough time to prepare, uh, you know, and prepare and, well, and let be me on just... a really even footing. Let me just make three quick points with you before I let you go. One thing, and I know you're not implying this, but I I think the other part of of the Big Ten tournament that maybe we're overlooking is, yes, Iowa played four games in four days, had a first-round exit, but Fran has struggled to win in the tournament throughout his career here, and they've never done anything in the Big Ten tournament. So fatigue fatigue has never been an issue before. So there's something else that was an issue in the past, and so I don't. Well, no, I think I think it, I think it is, and I think it has something to do with the way Fran coaches. I think you're absolutely right. Traditionally, he's been really prepared all year, all year long. He overmeets expectations, and by the end of the season, if you look at that team with Aaron White on it, they're ten in the country, and they're dead. They're tired. He, he he's wore them down, and uh, he's worked them. I think he's bet. I think he's much better now. I think this. I mean, what he did with defense this year compared to the other years he's had. I mean, I don't know. I, I my my I don't know. My opinion is that this Taylor fella is just really changed. Their on-ball defense is so much better. You know, I mean, they were getting dropped threes just nonstop in years before. But what you were saying too, you know, uh, you know, in the past I've always felt like, yeah, they have a pretty good season, but by the end of the season they're beat. And I don't know if it's you know, what his schedule is or, you know, how intense, but they just seem to be worn out by the end of that in, in, and going into the Big Ten tournament. Because that, particularly that team with Aaron White that did well, you know, and they were 10 in the country. And it was like, hey, this is a good opportunity. It looks like they can do it. And they were flat and they just seemed tired. So, you know, it's a long season. I just don't think the Big Ten tournament helps. I almost would rather have, you know, I'd rather play every team twice in the Big Ten and, and not have the Big Ten tournament. That's me, you know. Um, I think it's unfair to, you know, crown a, a, a league champion and then not have it actually played every team home and away. You know, I find that I would find that a much more valuable um, kind of preparation and indicator of who's the best team in the Big Ten. So, but anyway, I really appreciate you talking to me. And thanks uh, for the call, man. Great call. Uh, appreciate appreciate you taking talk. the time Thank to dial so in. No, no problem. Loved it. Thank you. All right, have a good night. Yeah, and, and I would echo that. That was a great point. I'm at the end. Yeah, that, that's a valid argument. Why not just play every team home and ho- home and away, every team in the Big Ten, and just crown one champion? Why do you need a Big Ten tournament? I've always liked the Big Ten tournament, but there's some flaws in it. The other thing, he alluded to it earlier, and I just want to bring that up before we end this show, and a couple comments. I went way over my time this evening, so apologize to everybody that, well, people are on here still, but I guess it's not an inconvenience to every, all of you, but um, the, the idea of Fran being able to get the big guns that, that can consistently, I'm not saying Fran's this is going to turn into Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky, but 
I do think that Fran has an opportunity to, to really benefit from these last three years, having the player of the year in Luca Garza, basically two straight years. I know it wasn't consensus the first year, but having the, the, the national player of the year now having a guy who's not only potentially going to be a national player of the year, but also going to be a potential lottery pick. If he leaves, if he comes back, he's going to be another potential player of the year next year. But that can really benefit recruiting, especially now, because that's one thing Fran has not done as it relates to development. He has not consistently developed guys for the NBA. Jared Utoff was great in college, has not made it in the NBA. Dev Marble was great in college, has not made it in the NBA. Aaron White was great in college, has not made it, never even played a, a second in the NBA. Tyler Cook, uh, you know, he's been in and out right now. I think he's on the Bulls roster. Wieskamp Garza have an opportunity to make their make their uh, mark uh, on the NBA and certainly Keegan does. But if those guys, especially Keegan Murray can make their mark in the league, that will help recruiting immensely. They got a national stage and winning the big 10 tournament. You wish they could have won some in March, but I think recruiting wise, I think Fran has done good things here these last couple of years to a point where he can get a bit of a recruiting um, bump, right? A bump up. If you will, we'll see if it translates, but I do think that's a factor. Um, that is a real possibility. Thomas says, who's coming back for Iowa men's basketball next season. We don't know what's going to happen with the transfer portal. I hope Connor McCaffrey comes back. If that's the case, then we don't know, you know, will somebody else leave and open up a scholarship for a transfer portal candidate or a late 22 grab? That's a possibility. But as of right now, we just don't know. And um, Ben, yes, we've had, we've talked about this potentially reconsidering the setup of the big 10 tournament, which probably isn't going to happen because it's been like this for years but again, I understand that line of reasoning given what just happened. But again, I was struggled. They've struggled to win in the in the tournament. And I'm talking about March Madness by lo- you know after losing early in the Big Ten tournament. So I don't think you can say that there's a cause and effect there. But it is something that I sh- think should be considered for multiple reasons. And yes, Rebracha should be coming back next year. Uh, he has stated that he should be coming back next year. So uh, we'll see if that happens. All right, folks, as Freedom Liberty brings out Sellout Carver Sunday, I'll be back with you Sunday for Iowa postgame following Iowa Creighton. A reminder that that game will be announced as far as a time and TV, uh, ESPN Family Network game, but it is a second-round game between the Blue Jays and the Hawkeyes Sunday. Appreciate everybody being here. This podcast will be available via podcast. Um, This postgame, I should say, will be available via podcast from the Hawkeye of the Storm, Spotify, Anchor, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. Appreciate you being here this afternoon. Great chat. I'm sorry we kind of segued into to Iowa men, but I let the try to let the fans carry the conversation as much as possible. So we'll talk to you Sunday. Appreciate you hanging out. And go Hawks versus the Blue Jays.